You're listening to Quick and Dirty History, the show about American history on the go. This episode of Quick and Dirty History is brought to you by Poor Communication Skills. Married couples think they have it rough, but try getting a letter across the Atlantic Ocean that could save thousands of lives in 1814. Now, that's a real doozy. So, let's take a little trip, along with Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. In August 1814, peace discussions began in the Netherlands, in the neutral city of Ghent, to effectively end the War of 1812. The British opened negotiations with their intention to create a buffer state of Native Americans to block American expansion to the West. John Quincy Adams, the son of our second president, was in Ghent to turn down this idea. He essentially said that all the land belonged to the United States anyway, that the Indian population didn't really belong in this conversation, and once again, totally further railroading Native Americans who had lived on the land for thousands of years. Since negotiations in Ghent started to the time of peace, the British had launched a four-pronged attack in the United States, an invasion of Maine to make it part of Canada, the burning of the White House, and the failed invasion of Baltimore, as we discussed on the last episode, the failed invasion of New York State, and an attack on New Orleans. The peace negotiations worked, and both the British and the Americans realized that the war wasn't doing anyone any good. Trade had been stifled, and if anything can end a war between money-grubbing governments, it's a lack of income. The peace treaty, the Treaty of Ghent, was signed, and the war was over. Although, nothing was known at the time of the fate of the fourth major invasion force that had been sent to capture New Orleans and control the Mississippi River. In comes Andrew Jackson and the biggest battle of the War of 1812. The battle, which took place after the war was essentially over with. Andrew Jackson had no love for the British. During the Revolution, he was a prisoner of war and was now juiced for the chance to confront the British in battle now that he was a major general in the American army. He once told his wife, I owe to Britain a debt of retaliatory vengeance. Should our forces meet, I trust I shall pay the debt. Now, he and his troops were standing between the British and New Orleans. The British thinking was that if they could seize New Orleans, the English Empire would gain total control over the Mississippi River and hold trade of the entire American South at bay. The British navigated the bayous and approached New Orleans from the South. When British forces were sighted, Jackson, nicknamed Old Hickory for his strict, tough demeanor, met the British without knowing what they were getting themselves into, and fighting ensued. But being a sharp tactician, Jackson withdrew his troops and fortified an earthwork near the Mississippi River. He declared martial law in New Orleans. Every available militia soldier and weapon was ordered to the city's defense. Army regulars, militia, Choctaw natives, free African Americans, and pirates all came together to fend off the British regulars. And these were not just any British regulars. These were battle-hardened soldiers straight out of the Napoleonic Wars. Using natural surroundings, almost a mile-long line was formed on the east bank of the Mississippi River to an impassable marsh. The line was full of guns and steep terrain. When the British attacked, they were met with a barrage of American artillery. The American militiamen, being experts with rifles on the frontier, tore through British soldiers. 
To make matters worse, the British had a plan for the first unit to bring ladders and makeshift bridges to scale the American line. Unfortunately, they forgot them. Realizing their mistake, soldiers were decimated by American fire. The British units that followed were stunned to know that they had no way to scale the terrain without ladders and were sitting ducks. Within about 30 minutes, the British had 2,000 casualties, including three generals and seven colonels. The ragtag American force had lost about 65 men. This loss of life is especially tragic, considering peace had already been agreed upon. Andrew Jackson and his forces entered New Orleans to the sound of Yankee Doodle and a massive celebration. Newspapers across the country labeled Andrew Jackson as the savior of the nation. Jackson hailed, in his words, the undaunted courage of the troops and victorious battle of the common man. For Andrew Jackson, this was only the beginning. His newfound celebrity would propel him towards the White House and the very controversial age of Jacksonian politics.